This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Is there a Christian reaction to the coronavirus? A compilation of two articles by John Horvath II. The concern about the coronavirus is unique in our times. The crisis has sent the pundits and commentators scrambling back to their history books. Many tie the coronavirus to the Spanish influenza pandemic of 1918 to 1920. Others go back further and compare it to the first outbreak of the bubonic plague, the so-called Black Death of 1347 to 1351. The name of the virus has spun off another word, coronaphobia, the fear of the contagion. It is a fear shared by all levels of society. In these articles, Mr. John Horvath II discusses several aspects of the disease and its effect on society, especially on the necessity to focus on our relationship to God. As this rapidly developing situation plays out, some details mentioned in these articles may change. However, the need for modern society to examine and re-embrace the tenets of Christianity and the truths of natural law remain constant for all time. These articles are being read by Edwin Benson. And now, This is the Sure Cure for Coronaphobia, by John Horvath II. The coronavirus dominates world news, whipping up a hysteria rarely seen in modern times. While the virus has yet to display its full fury, the reaction to it is at a frenzy. There are two spectacles taking place, the coronavirus and the fear of the coronavirus that might be called coronaphobia. At this point, the latter is the more destructive. People are terrified by the virus since it introduces them to an unknown world. It is a mysterious disease from a faraway totalitarian land. Everyone mistrusts the data coming out of China. The virus's highly contagious and unpredictable nature adds to the generalized fear. Media hype and images multiply the impact of the disease by sensationalizing its every advance. Thus, Coronaphobia is raging all over the world. It has slowed down economies, shaved trillions of dollars in stock prices, stopped church services, and paralyzed cities. It is shaping politics as world leaders are put to the test to meet the grave challenge of this contagion. Of course, the coronavirus does present real risks. Reasonable measures must be taken. Like all cases of the flu, people become sick and die. Those with weak immune systems are especially vulnerable. Its victims tend to be frail people with pre-existing conditions. However, two factors make this threat different and more terrifying than the flu cases that take tens of thousands of lives yearly. The first is that it can strike quickly and indiscriminately. The second is that there are no vaccines against it. Thus, People sense general helplessness in the face of a tiny virus that is bringing a fragile and interconnected world to its knees. No one likes to say it, but what triggers coronaphobia is the Hobbesian fear of death that so haunts the modern mind. Each person sees in a coronavirus death his or her own possible death. The paranoiac fear demands that every possible means be employed against this remote threat, even if they appear excessive. This desperate drama creates conditions in which people will even give up rights and liberties to avoid catching the virus. Coronaphobia is caused by a society where the enjoyment of life is the supreme value. 
This is why the full might of the medical establishment must be mobilized with such passion. Everything must be done to prolong the lives of those who still enjoy life and have little thought of the hereafter. Yet not all life is equally valued in today's hedonistic culture. The same medical establishment that scrambles to treat coronavirus victims snuffs out thousands of lives daily through abortion and euthanasia so that others might free themselves from responsibilities and enjoy life. Coronaphobia explains why there is so much hype around the issue. In a culture that adores pleasure, life-threatening viruses overwhelm and crush psyches unaccustomed to thinking about death and suffering. People look for any way to escape this unpleasant reality. To avoid any profound thinking about the virus, people surround it with noise and agitation in the hope that the din might scare it away. To find quick fixes for the problem, they loudly demand urgent action, even if it flies in the face of common sense. In their helplessness, they fill themselves with resentment and anger, blaming others for their misfortunes. Fear rules in such circumstances. People will do anything to avoid having to face the crisis alone in all its seriousness. The festival of hype smothers everything in a frenetic intemperance of collective denial. There is a cure for coronaphobia. It involves facing reality with all objectivity. People must neither overreact nor minimize the dangers. They must face the virus calmly and with common sense, utilizing the standard means by which strong flu cases are combated. Coronaphobia can only be overcome by those who dare to think beyond the pleasures of life. Tragedy invites people to reflect on human mortality and contingency. Inside the silence of reflection, people find meaning and purpose for their sufferings. They find the courage to act effectively, embracing reality, not denying it. Above all, tragedy leads people to trust in God and His providence. The limitations of a purely secular society are made patent when tragedies of this sort strike. Humanity is left to its own devices and finds them woefully insufficient. Throughout history, when faced with tribulation, the faithful have had recourse to God and have found solace and aid. This is why the Church has always played such a great role in times of calamity. Instead of prohibiting church services, authorities should encourage the church to hold more. This trust is the only sure cure for the devastating coronaphobia that ravages the world. End of This is the Sure Cure for Coronaphobia Having discussed the social nature of coronaphobia, the second article discusses the more individual question of each person's reaction to the virus. So now... The Return to Order moment presents The Coronavirus is a Call to Return to God by John Horvath II. Our reaction to the coronavirus reflects the crisis of our secular godless society. The problem is not the virus, as potentially lethal as it might be. This outbreak is a biological fact, like so many that have plagued humanity over the ages. While a virus is apolitical, it can, however, have political consequences. 
much more volatile than the coronavirus is the fear of it. A coronaphobia is rattling the globe. In this sense, the reaction to the coronavirus is extremely political and secular. It reflects a society that has turned its back on God. We face the crisis trusting only in ourselves and our devices. Indeed, the management of the coronavirus crisis accepts no help from outside. God has no meaning or function inside all of the efforts to eradicate it. In God's stead, there are the immense powers of government mobilized to control every aspect of life to prevent its spread. The mighty arm of science scrambles to find a vaccine. The worlds of finance and technology are brought to bear to mitigate the disastrous effects of the crisis. While all human efforts must be used to solve these problems, they have not produced the desired results. Present attempts have disappointed a frenetically intemperate society addicted to instant push-button solutions. The world has been forced to shut down with no definite timeline as to when the crisis will end. For this reason, it is terrifying. There are few mitigating institutions like the church to make its treatment humane and bearable. We are left alone to face this great danger. The tiny virus isolates and alienates its victims, taking them out of society. In many cases, it is the individual against the state. Technicians in hazmat suits treat men and women as if they were the virus. In totalitarian China and other places, officials employ brutal violence to force compliance with drastic directives. The virus is also a-religious. However, that does not prevent it from having a religious dimension. The coronavirus comes at a time when most in society feel that they do not need God. For these, God has long been replaced by bread and circuses. The modern pleasures point to no need for heaven. The postmodern vices proclaim no fear of hell. And yet the coronavirus has the uncanny ability to turn our material paradises into hells. The cruise ship, the symbol of all earthly delights, became an infected prison for passengers who did everything possible to get out. Those who have made sports their god now find empty stadiums and canceled tournaments. Those who adore money now find decimated portfolios and quarantined workforces. The worshippers of education look at their empty schools and universities. The devotees of consumerism face bare supermarket shelves. The world we worshipped is tumbling down. The things for which we glory are now in ruins. A small microbe has toppled the idols that were once thought so stable, powerful, and enduring. It has brought their worshippers to their knees. And still we insist that we do not need God. We will spend trillions of dollars in the futile hope of patching our broken idols. However, one aspect of the coronavirus crisis is still worse. It is bad enough that God is replaced or ignored. We have gone one step further. God is banished from the scene. He is forbidden to act. Among the draconian measures decreed, government officials are forbidding public worship. In Italy, they have banned masses, stopped communion and confession, 
The church and its holy sacraments are considered an occasion of contagion, treated no differently than a sports event or a music concert. In their turn, the media mock the church, claiming that even God has been self-quarantined. Sadly, some church officials are only too willing to comply with such measures. They deprive the faithful of the sacraments just when they need them the most. They go beyond what officials ask, even to the point of emptying fonts of their holy water and replacing them with sanitizer dispensers. They are discouraged from giving the last rites. Not even miracles are allowed. Church officials unilaterally close the miraculous healing baths at Lourdes in France. These miraculous waters have probably cured every disease known to humanity. Is this coronavirus any more lethal? Such is the state of our faith in crisis. Some might object that taking a non-secular attitude toward the virus requires a leap of faith. However, we must ask, which is the greater leap of faith? To confide in Holy Mother Church or the cold hands of a state that has already shown itself incapable of solving society's problems? We have every reason to confide in God. The problem is that we allow officials to treat the church as if she knows nothing about healing bodies and souls. They have conveniently forgotten that the church is a mother. She established the world's first hospitals during the Middle Ages. The foundations of modern medicine are rooted in her solicitude for the sick. She handled each patient as Christ himself. Thus, the church sent out orders of priests, monks, and nuns to provide free health care for the poor and sick all over the world. Down through the ages, amid plague and pestilence, we find the church in their midst, ministering to the infected despite great dangers. Above all, the church cared for the souls of the suffering sick. She comforted, consoled, and anointed the afflicted. She maintained countless shrines like Lourdes, where the pilgrims are rewarded for their faith with peace of mind, cures, and even miracles. In times of plague, the prayers of whole communities might rise to ask God to come to the aid of a sinful society in need of his mercy. History gives testimony that these prayers were often heard. When the church acts as she should, she prevents crises like the coronavirus from becoming inhuman and overwhelming. Like a mother, she provides consolation and hope in moments of darkness. She reminds us that we are not alone and should always have recourse to God. It makes no sense to banish God from the fight against the coronavirus. Indeed, the coronavirus crisis should be a call to reject our godless society. This crisis threatens to go beyond health and bring down the American economy. We must, therefore, ask why God is replaced, ignored, and banished. It is time to turn to God, who alone can save us from this disaster. Turning to God does not mean offering up a symbolic prayer or holding a procession in the hopes of returning to lives of sin and intemperate pleasures. Instead, it must consist of sincere prayer, sacrifice, and penance, like that requested by Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. Turning to God presupposes an amendment of life in the face of a world that hates God's law and barrels toward its destruction. 
It means acting as the church has always done, with common sense, wisdom, charity, but above all, faith and confidence. All of these church remedies, full of comfort and healing, are within the grasp of the faithful. Turning to God does not mean that we deny the role of government in handling public health emergencies. However, faith must be a major component of any solution. God is with us. We should confide in the Blessed Sacrament, the real presence of God in the world, and the God who created us. We should have recourse to the Mother of God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, health of the sick, and Mother of Mercy. End of Is There a Christian Reaction to the Coronavirus? Two articles by John Horvath, second. Thank you so much for listening. To read these or find related articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, T.F.P.